This morning we're going to continue our series on questioning Christianity, which is a series I've been wanting to do for a while because it deals with questions that many people ask, maybe you've been asking yourself as well, about Christianity, about God. Does God exist? Is Jesus God? Is the Bible God's Word? And several of those sermons we've already gone through and they're posted online uh, on the hillbaptist.com's website. But this morning we're going to consider another question. And I want to read you a statement uh, by someone that will help us jump into our topic this morning. He says, I am absolutely against any religion that says that one faith is superior to another. I don't see how that is anything different than spiritual racism. It's a way of saying that we are closer to God than you. And that's what leads to hatred. And this is just one way of phrasing the common statement that, you know, is there really only one true religion? I mean, people worship some form of God all over the world. And isn't it arrogant or improper to say that you have the truth uh, if you're a Christian and everyone else is wrong? And doesn't that lead, in fact, to uh, oppression and violence and marginalization for those who don't believe the way you do. Therefore, can there really be just one true religion? That may be a response that you may uh, receive when you try to share Jesus with someone. And you try to communicate what Jesus Himself says in John 14, 6, for example. When Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through Me. And that is a bold statement because Jesus is saying that He is the way to God. Not just one way to God, but the way. And when He says, I am the truth, that means everything else must be false that claims to be the way to God. So that is a very exclusive truth. It's a very narrow road. And so when you claim that, you aren't you promoting... Uh, oppression, violence, uh, marginalization, aren't you being arrogant? Uh, These are some of the responses that you may receive when you claim to know Jesus and the fact that Jesus is the only way to God. Can there be only one true religion? And so what I want to do this morning is I want to go through some responses that you may receive when you share Jesus with other people. And you, in fact, tell them that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father, no one comes to God except through Him. One statement that you may hear is this. You know, all religions are equally valid and basically teach the same thing. And when you look at it, you know, Christianity, Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism, uh, even atheism, I mean, they all have some commonality. They all teach basically the same things. And so basically they're all, they're all valid. You'll see us, Lewis, put it this way. He said, you know, when you, when you uh, do a math equation, and as an engineer major, I would have to do these equations, these math problems that would take up a whole page. And they would, you know, step one, step two, step 13. You know, you have to go through all these steps to solve the problem. And what C.S. Lewis said about this is that, you know, it is true that when doing the math problem, that you can be right to a certain degree and then end up with the wrong answer. In other words, you may get step one, two, three, four, five right, but then 
steps 6 through 13 you get wrong and you end up with the wrong solution. And so C.S. Lewis would say, yes, there are some commonalities between the religions. I mean, so we don't have to say that all religions are completely false. For example, if a religion teaches that you should tell the truth, we would say that is a true statement and that aspect of the religion is true. However, when you drill down deep into the core of these different religions, I think, in fact, you will find they are very different. And to say they're all the same is like saying, you know, all children are the same. All children are the same. And so, just go to the school to pick up your child, or really, it doesn't really matter whose child you pick up, just grab a child and throw them in the car, because they're all the same anyway. And why don't you go ahead and try that and see how that works out for you, you know? Yes, there are some similarities between children, but clearly, each child is very different. And it's the same thing with the major religions of the world. Yes, there are similarities on the surface, but when you drill down deep, they are very different. And let me just give you one major difference as you get to the core of these religions. I'm just going to name a few. Hindus believe that there are multiple gods and goddesses. Thousands even. Whereas Buddhism says there is no god or personal deity. The New Age movement says that you are God. Islam says that there's a powerful but unknowable God, and Christians believe that God is loving and approachable. Now I think as you dive down into these religions, you realize they are not the same. Even though they may share some common teaching, when you get down to the foundation, they are not the same. And to say that all major religions are equally valid and teach the same thing really flows from ignorance of the religions themselves. And so, yes, on the surface there's some commonality, but when you get down to what, who is God and what makes you, or what puts you in a right relationship with God, these religions teach uh, contrasting truths. Another statement that is often given is this. When you're talking to, to someone about Jesus and you claim that Jesus is the only way to God, they may say, well, you know, I respect what you say, but each religion teaches part of the truth. But none see the whole truth. And usually they illustrate this with the story of the blind men and the elephant. You see, there were these blind men walking along the path and they ran into an elephant. One of the blind men ran into the trunk of the elephant. And as he's feeling the, the trunk, he says, this object is like a snake. Well, another blind man runs into the ear of the elephant. And he says, no, you're wrong. This is not a snake. This is like a, a large leaf of some type. Well, another blind man runs into the leg of the elephant. He says, you're both wrong. This, whatever this is, it's like a tree trunk. Thick, round, hard. And then another uh, blind man runs into the side of the elephant and says, no way, you're all wrong. This is like a big wall. And the one telling the story says, see, all religions are, are describing parts of the elephant, but in fact they're all describing the same thing. So can't you see that all these different religions are just teaching part of the truth? Well, here's the problem with that story. It may sound good. However, 
you have to see that the one telling the story claims to have all knowledge. Because he's the one that claims to know that, in fact, what you're touching is the elephant. In other words, they're saying, all you religions out there, you claim to know truths about this, this being God or uh, spirituality, but in fact, you're just looking at pieces of it. And what they're saying is, I have all the knowledge. And I know it's an elephant. And so all of you all are wrong to think that your piece of the elephant is, is true. You see? And so by claiming that these religions of the world only see part, part of the truth, you have to claim that you see the whole truth. Which is in fact a religious statement in and of itself. Another statement that you may hear uh, is um, religious belief is too culturally and historically conditioned to be truth. In other words, you know, where you grow up, where you were born, when you were born, the family you were born into, all these things determine what you will believe about God. Therefore, it would be naive to say what you believe about God is uh, more right or more true than what someone else believes about God. Or as one Muslim writer once said, the color of the water is that of its container. In other words, the way you see the water, the color you see the water is determined by the container. And the container is your culture, your upbringing, your family, you know, what your peers believe. All these things color your view of what the truth is. And so the saying goes, well, because all of us are so colored by our culture, our community, our family, the time that we're born in, etc., it's impossible for us to come to know objective, absolute truth. Therefore, it would be irresponsible of us to say, my truth is more true than your truth. But the problem with this, it can be summed up by Peter Berger, who's, who's a sociologist, and he says it this way. He says, relativity relativizes itself. Relativity relativizes itself. In other words, here's what he's saying. He says, if you claim that truth about God is relative, in other words, no one has the truth of God, about God, who He is, how we relate to Him, it's all colored so much by our culture, our family, etc., that no one can know the truth. Then what he's saying is, once you make that relative, all truth statements are relative. In other words, the person who's telling you that you can't know the truth because your view is so colored by your community is in fact making a claim about truth that is colored by his community. And so by saying to you, you can't know the truth, he's claiming a truth claim. He's saying, this is true, even though he's telling you no one can know the truth because it's so colored by your upbringing and whatnot. And so he's denying the very thing that he's saying. And so here's the point. Because I'm not denying that your upbringing, your culture, your peers, they do affect how you see things and what you believe about things. No doubt about it. However, I would not say that that could keep you from knowing truth. 
I believe that truth is objective. In other words, there is a reality. The world exists whether you're in it or not. And there is truth that can be known. And I think what we need to realize is, yes, when I come to these questions of who God is, what is true, morality, etc., we have to recognize, you know what? I do bring a lot of baggage to this, this question. A lot of preconceived notions. I bring that to the table. However, I don't think that prohibits us from knowing what truth is. It just simply is something that we need to recognize. Yes, growing up in the United States of America with this family I have in the, in the you know, 21st century, yes, there are certain things that I'm coming to the table, certain baggage I'm bringing to the table. However, I can recognize that and, and realize that I do have this baggage and I do see things a certain way, but that should not keep me from recognizing, you know what, I can change my mind on things and I want to embrace what truth is. And so, two things here. One, to say religious belief is too culturally or historically conditioned, I think, is to uh, deny the very thing you're trying to claim. And two, I would say truth is objective. It exists, and I think we can know the truth even if we come from different cultures, etc. There's one more statement I want to address, and maybe you've heard this one before. Someone may respond to your claim that Jesus is the only way to God by saying, you know, it's arrogant to insist that your religion is right and to convert others to it. Right? I mean, that's kind of arrogant to say you have the truth and everyone needs to agree with your view of the truth. Isn't that kind of arrogant? Are you trying to convert people to that? You know, John Hick who is arguably one of the most important and influential philosophers of religion of the second half of the 20th century. John Hicks says that believing one religion is true. In other words, one religion is more true than all the others. So let's say if you're a Christian or if you're a Muslim and you think your religion is true, everyone else is wrong, then what that leads to is oppression and violence and marginalization. And if you do a brief survey of history, you realize, you know what, there's some credibility to that statement. I mean, you can even look in our world today and see where people are committing great acts of violence in the name of religion. And so there seems to be some credibility to a statement. And the the great thinker Blaise Pascal said this. He said, men never do evil so completely and cheerfully as when they do it from religious conviction. Men never do evil so completely and cheerfully as when they do it from religious conviction. And I believe he's right. And we see that even in our day. And so, the question is, does claiming an exclusive truth, that one religion is true, does that lead to oppression, violence, and a feeling of superiority? You know, Tim Keller, a pastor in New York City, he says... You know, having an exclusive truth claim, believing that your religion is the one true religion, it can create a slippery slope in the heart. And this is what he says. He says, you know, you have a, a truth claim that this is, the, this is the right way, the one way, the only way to God. And then what that leads to is a, a view of superiority. Because I have the right way, you have the wrong way, or you refuse to acknowledge the right way, then I am superior to you. And then what happens is 
I begin to pull away from you people over here. And then what I can do is begin to oppress, marginalize, and even do violence against this group because they will not recognize the truth. And that happens and that happens today. Because most religions of the world, all the religions that I know of, say something like this. In order to be right with God or attain this level of consciousness or eliminate desire, here are the things you must do. And then as you do those, you look around and say, these people are not doing those. And so I separate myself from those people. And I see them as inferior because they're not as enlightened as I am or they're not as spiritual as I am, etc. And that can lead to these uh, acts of oppression and violence. We see it even in our world today. However, is really... Is that really true of Christianity? Let's look at it. Christianity claims to be exclusive. In other words, Jesus is the only way to God. There is no other way. Jesus is the only way. Christianity is very clear about that. Jesus is very clear about that. So now what about the superiority complex? Well, this is where Christianity differs from all the other religions of the world. Whereas all the other religions of the world say you need to do these certain things and then as you do them, you may feel superior to these other people. Christianity does not say that. Christianity says the only way you are made right with God is by the grace of God. And grace is unmerited favor. It's receiving something that you cannot earn. You know, Paul, the Apostle Paul in the letter to the Ephesians, chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 says... For by grace, you know, this receiving, this gift that you, you cannot earn. For by grace you have been saved. Saved from what? Saved from your sin. Saved from being separated from God forever. For by grace you've been saved through faith. Faith is receiving the truths of God. Believing them, following them. I mean, we, we believe, we trust in, in Jesus. It's not something that we exercise or do to earn our way to God, but it's by grace we've been saved through faith. And then he says, that not of yourselves. It's not a result of works that no one may boast. And so think about this. I can tell you, yes, Jesus is the only way to God. It's exclusive. There is no other way. It is the one true religion. And yet at the same time, being a Christian should not make me feel superior or arrogant but rather should make me humble. Why? Because I have not done anything to earn my salvation. I'm not more enlightened. I'm not, more, I'm not smarter. You know, it's not any of these reasons that God chose to save me. It's simply because He loves me. And He offered His Son, Jesus Christ, for me. And so I'm saved by God's grace, which puts me in a position of humility. And now if you notice, once you lay the foundation of grace, okay, if the religion is based on the grace of God, then this foundation can hold up the structure of Jesus' teaching, which includes love your enemies. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love God. Well, how can you do that? How can you love your enemy? 
Well, it's simple because it's not necessarily simple to do, but it's simple in concept. And that is, if I believe that I am a sinner saved by the grace of God, nothing that I've done, not because of my goodness, not because of how smart I am, how tall I am, how much I weigh, my IQ, whatever it is. If I realize I'm only saved, I'm only put in a right relationship with God by the grace of God. Then I look at my enemy and I say, you know what, this person is trying to harm me, but they are just as much in need of God's grace than I am. So even though I may not agree with what they're doing, I'm not going to approve of what they're doing, but I do recognize that I can show love to this person because they are made in the image of God and they are in just as much need of the grace of God as I am. See, only the teaching of Christ that He came, He died for us, He was raised for us, and that we are saved by grace, only that foundation can hold up the teaching. Love your enemy. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love God. That's the foundation. And so Christianity is the only religion that says, not obey and you will be accepted, which is the, the mantra of all the other religions of the world, but rather Christianity says, you are accepted in Christ through faith in Jesus, therefore obey. You see, the groundwork of grace has to be laid before the obedience of the Christian can flourish. And that leads to humility, not superiority. So even though I can see how exclusive truth claims can lead you down that path of marginalization, oppression, and violence, when I look at Christianity, I say, has anyone ever acted out of Christianity in violence and oppression? Yes. We can look back at history and we can see Christians doing terrible things. However, what I would say is those Christians did not understand the gospel. Just because someone claims the name of Christ doesn't mean they know Christ. And when you drill down into the gospel of Jesus Christ, what you're going to see is we are all sinners saved by grace. And there is no spirit superiority here. Therefore, even when we disagree with someone, we do it in a loving way. And that is completely different than what John Hick proposes, that all exclusive claims to know the truth, or that there's only one truth, leads down that path. I don't believe that to be so. And Christianity is true, and its absolute truthfulness leads to love. And what other religion leads you to love your enemy, love your neighbor, and love God? I think you'd be hard-pressed to find one. And these are just some of the reject, uh, objections that you may hear as you talk to people about Jesus. And these, these may be some of the object, objections that you yourself have maybe put out there uh, and stated against Christianity. And for some of you, I want to challenge you, if, if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, I want to challenge you to maybe shift your thinking just a bit. And instead of trying to think about why Christianity is false... I want you to think just perhaps how could Christianity be true and consider the truthfulness of Jesus' claims. I want to challenge you to consider His claims and ask God to show you the truth. And again, like I mentioned after every sermon, if you have any questions about that, maybe, maybe those statements have spawned more questions in your mind. 
then I'd love to talk with you. We could grab coffee or uh, we could go out to lunch somewhere or you can come by the office or I could meet you somewhere and I'd love just to walk beside you and, you know, we could field questions. I don't claim to know all the answers, but at least we can wrestle with those topics together because what is more important than to know the truth? And I think if we're all honest, we would say we want to know what the truth is. We want to know the true God. And we want to know how we could enter into a right relationship with that God. And so I'd love to walk alongside you if you have any questions. And for those of you who follow Jesus, you've placed your faith in Christ. You've tasted of His grace and of His, of His forgiveness. I want to remind you that the gospel of Jesus Christ leads to humility, not arrogance. It leads to humility, not arrogance. The grace of God leads to love for God, love for our neighbors, and even love for our enemies. Let's pray together. Lord, what a challenging thought to see that we are saved by grace, and grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. That we bring nothing to the table as far as uh, earning our way to God, somehow uh, finding favor in Your sight because we're so good or so smart or that we're born on this side of the world. But we recognize that it's only by Your grace, only by Your mercy, that we are saved, that we are put in a right relationship with You, that we are forgiven of our sins. And yet that forgiveness came at a great cost, the cost of Your one and only Son, Jesus Christ, as He lived He died on the cross on our behalf and He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. And He ascended to the right hand of of Yours. And now we come to You, Lord, just recognizing that You are the truth. As Jesus said, He's the way, the truth, and the life. We cannot come to You apart from Jesus. And Lord, we just come to You today and say, thank You for that forgiveness through Christ. And I pray for anyone here who doesn't know You, they're still searching and thinking and questioning. Lord, I pray that You would meet them where they are. And lead them into all truth. So that they can know the God of truth. And that is our prayer. In Jesus name. Amen.